21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Doing business in person versus on Zoom? Are you yes. kidding me? Uh, the other day, I was invited to speak to some students mm-hmm. at, Bab- at Babson College in Massachusetts. And it's uh, well known for their entrepreneurial school and for accounting and for business. And it was the first time I had spoken in person, you know, to to um, a group of people, in this case, students, in like two years. And I can't tell you the, the difference between being on Zoom and you don't know if, who is there, they don't really care, they might be in the bathroom because you don't even see the face. You know, because the video is shut off. And being in person, you can you feed off of their energy. There, the moderator asked me four questions and then the students took over and they for an hour and a quarter asked me questions and they were so engaged. The emotional connection is priceless, you know? And and so now as we come out of this pandemic, you know, we have the option to be in person again. And I I think people you know, they got comfortable working remotely and, and some people have jobs that for which that is really perfect. But I think gradually, the more people go back to work, those that are staying home will have the fear of missing out, <laughs> you know, FOMO. And uh, I, I, there's nothing that can replace a personal, physical relationship in front of you. How hard is uh, to get engagement and be engaged in the new technology context? You have to make an effort. You have to always make an effort regardless, but you have to make more of an effort. Like if you are a leader, an entrepreneur, and you're starting a company and you have new employees, right? And how do you build culture online? You can't walk down the hall and and say like, hey, do you want to get a cup of coffee? Impromptu, like that spontane- spontaneity is, is lost online. And you have to work really, really hard to achieve it. And, you know, most people don't, don't do that. You know, it's, there's nothing that can replace that physicality. What else do you need except being spontaneous? for at least going into direction of a successful path? Well, you have to really think through strategically how you're going to communicate with different people who may not be great communicators. And so you have to work extra hard to draw them out and find different ways to engage them without putting them on the spot. And, you know, if you are in front of somebody, you're just there, you have, you know, you can say like, what do you think? Because they're right there. <laughs> But when you're online, you know, you have to reach out to them and they, they have to kind of maybe um, get out of their comfort zone to, to communicate how they feel. 
because when you're online, you, you also cannot read a person's expressions, right? And you may not see, you know, how their feet, their whole body, you only see from the neck up. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it requires both parties to work harder. And, you know, what do we know? Most human beings are uh, a little bit more complacent and lazy than most. What about Generation Z? In that sort of environment, right, that's online, whether you're Gen Z or any generation, you have to um, make an effort to ask more questions because you have to draw out the other person to engage with you and to participate in a conversation. And so how do you do that? Well, you have to ask questions that are open-ended, not questions that are yes or no, because that's easy. You can just say, yeah, or no, or you know, just nod your head and you don't have to engage. You have to rejigger the questions that you, that you might not even ask in, if you're in person with them, right? And, um, say, what do you think about that? How do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. uh, and that draws people out to, because they have to talk more. Um, uh, the other thing with uh, doing business and communicating online um, is that it's very important to reflect what others are saying to you, right? Because uh, we know in business, you can't just say something once and assume people understand it, right? You have to say things multiple times through different channels. Same thing goes with this kind of online Zoom format. If you are communicating with a, a Gen Zer, right? You, you have to listen to what they're saying and, and then repeat what they said. It's called reflective listening, actually. Uh -huh. Is used a lot in um, in couples therapy, actually, and right to say like this is what I heard you say, or or to reflect how they're feeling. Right, empathy is a is a big buzzword right now, but there's so much behind it, and there is such a massive opportunity to practice empathy in this kind of form of online communication, and and it doesn't it starts with how are you feeling today. And letting people just talk and then reflecting what you heard, right? It's a different vocabulary. Um, it's more informal. It's um, a little bit more tongue-in-cheek and relaxed. And it, it's more real and authentic. Um, so that combination of things, reflective listening, using empathetic language and, and behaving with empathy um, and asking questions that are open-ended are some of the things you can do. And what about you and your feeling in the process? Do you feel alone sometimes? What, what kind of connections can we have in this new environment? I mean, of course, one feels alone. I, I mean, I'm uh, a little bit older, and so I, I remember those days. You could walk down the hall or peek your head over the, the cubicle or the office or look around and wave at somebody and, you know, you, you can ask them a question or solve a problem or go have a drink, a cocktail after work or go across the street to get a sandwich for lunch. Like that 
that those relationships and that connectivity i miss it so much it's it's part of the experience of life of working and of course you know most of us spend eight to ten hours a day working and so wouldn't it be nice if we could you know have that kind of connection with different people my daughter who is 24 she just started working for a company in new york and her onboarding was during COVID. she said mom it's so hard to get to know this company and the people who i work with because they're just little boxes on my screen right and i said you know it's crazy because 95 percent of the people in this world who are my friends are people from work from some kind of professional work engagement and i met them all in person right so her point was it's hard to make friends with people online because you can't go and do anything with them you can't carry your laptop or you could but you know it'd be kind of weird to take it to the bar and like you know you're not with them and there's no spontaneity so i think um i think what we will see is more of a return to working in an office or in a place, doesn't have to be an office, where we can be with other people. The concept of humility and being humble is really important and plays a big role in the current work environment. And what I mean by this is um, because we are talking to basically a screen with people in little boxes in front of us, you have to work harder at engaging them and they have to work harder themselves to engage with you. And that is kind of a, it's a, there's a need to humanize the experience because we're not humanly in front of each other. And, and how do you do that? It's, it is um, it's something that actually I think is a superpower of leadership and of good managers to express when they make a mistake, like, so many people who are leaders or managers think that they have to have all the answers and that you can't ever make, admit a mistake because it shows weakness. But actually the opposite is true. That if you can be vulnerable enough to say, you know, that didn't work out so well <laughs> and I could have done this better. That's my part in this. What do you guys think? And how can I help you be better the next time? And so sometimes that takes the form of uh, a postmortem, right? To sit down and discuss, not to point fingers at everybody, like what they did wrong, but, but to share, you know, what, here's what could have gone better. And then together to say, okay, well then how can we fix that? And come up with ideas together that people take ownership for. Like literally, here's the things we're gonna do better. Here's who's gonna do them. And here are the new processes we have to put in place so that we can be more successful. And the key is to make sure that those things actually happen because otherwise it's just you know, a conversation. But it begins with this concept of being more humble and letting down your guard and realizing that if you can show that, you can kind of create this, this culture of collaboration where people are not covering for themselves or having to fake it because they think they have to be something else. And it draws people in 
and makes for a much more creative, productive, human working environment. And what about ratio of focus on process versus focus on person that is related to that process? I mean, it's the people that make the process. And it's the people that are in the process that it, where there's, there's outcomes, right? There's, there are outputs and there are outcomes. And the, the process is what stitches it all together. And sometimes the process has a kink in it and it's broken. Um, uh, and, you know, like, like a, a garden hose, right? If there's a kink, the water doesn't flow through it. So you, you have to see where there are pieces that are broken and then, and then everything will flow through there again. But it's all up to the people. Everybody is, is in a process. You know, whether you, when you get up in the morning and you brush your teeth or you get, come downstairs and make coffee, or what, that, that's a process, <laughs> and, right? And so we, we have to look at um, processes, but not to the exclusion of the people, right? It's the people that have to make it work. If it so doesn't do work for the, if the, if, if the people can't make it work or it's too difficult, then the process has to change. That was actually my, my, my next question. How much is it about making process for people or vice versa to, to make, yeah. to make process and then to try to find people that can Make it I mean, I, the process won't work if the people can't function and perform in it. So like a process is just a means to an end. But usually if the process isn't working right for people, then it won't achieve as successful an outcome as it was as it was meant to the people that dictate the process because they create it and they have to work with it. And the process can determine, you know, can determine whether it provides the opportunity to be successful or not. So maybe we have an issue, a problem then. So we do not know people because of the Zoom and, and the technology. So if if we not know how to read people, how to feel people, how then to make it happen? Yeah, I mean, I mean that that's where somebody, whether it's the leader, the manager, or the the young person, that just says has to raise their hand and say. I'm not getting anything out of this. Or somebody has to ask, is this working for you? Like, I think in this world, there have to be more touch points where you check in with people, right? You can't just assume, which, which we do, right? We assume that everything's okay and, you know, okay, great, we had a good conversation. Everybody go off and do their thing, goodbye, right? No. Because of this working environment online, you have to check in with people more. And you have to be okay with the fact that somebody may say, I, this isn't working for me. I don't understand, or I, I don't, you know, whatever it is, right? And it is for the privilege of being a leader, it's on you to have to ask that question. Be because you can't assume, 
you know, that a, a new, a Gen Z or, you know, somebody just starting out will, will know how to say that or have the confidence to. What's the importance of personal development level, of social skills, of soft skills, better to say, and of, of hard skills? What's, what's the most important? What's the less important? For who? For the person, for the leader that needs to leader. check. For the person that needs to check. I mean, I think now, I think it's, I don't like to use the word soft skills. I just think they're, as Simon Sinek said, they're just- Or social skills. skills. Human social skills. skills, yeah, social skills, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think that's the most important now, because if you don't have that, then there's a barrier, right, be between what you have in your head and what you need to say in order to get something done and to run a productive company and make money, <laughs> right? And those those who have to help you get it done. So I think those skills are, are for the first time, they were always important, but they are critical now. Um, and the, the challenge is that, you know, many CEOs uh, uh, are, are not those kinds of people, you know, that may, that may not come naturally to them. And you can't just fake it and strap it on and suddenly, you know, be like a warm and fuzzy, right? Because it's not, it's not who you are. So like that takes a longer process to listen to those cues and to be much more aware of how people look at you or maybe look the other way or look down or right you know like all of those are such tiny tiny little cues but that's what you have to pick up on in my book i wrote a little bit of, about this because the, the whole concept of make it, don't fake it means, right, that you have to be true to yourself. You have to be authentic and you can't just suddenly be somebody else, right? That's what we call imposter syndrome, which is a very popular topic these days. And what you really have to, as a leader, first look yourself in the mirror and, and identify who you are. I mean, it sounds like a little silly, but like, who are you and what do you stand for? And what do you not stand for? Because those values then become the backbone and the foundation of your company. And they are what attracts other people. People want to feel, especially now, uh, a sense of belonging to, to the company that they're with, right? That's why we had this um, big, uh, great resignation, they call it, or the big job reshuffle, right? Because people felt like there's no connection between them and their employer and they don't share the same values. And so now you see all of a sudden <laughs> a lot of companies on their websites posting their values. And it used to be kind of at the end, like, you know, like under contact us right at the end, but now it's like right front and center. It's also for customers. They want to do business with companies who they can identify with, right? They wanna make sure that those things are important to them. And in business, what do we know? Like you, we wanna do business with people we trust and people we like. And that's where those values, they sit at the intersection of those two things. Um, and those values, they infuse how you communicate, what you celebrate, 
the um, the traditions you have in your company or online, you know, celebrating someone's birthday or whatever, they infuse every business process. So for example, if, um, you know, great creativity is a, is a value or um, being innovative is a value of your company, then how does innovation infuse your culture? What are the things you do to support that and promote it? How do you reward people for their innovation, right, publicly? And then in business processes, like when something is broken or there's a product flaw or a mistake, right, something's broken in, in the system, something is wrong with the quality control, right, that reflects to innovation. How can you be innovative and do a workaround to fix that and maintain the quality? Right. And so it, get, it gets, you know, complicated, right, because quality and integrity may also be values, but the, it's so central. And if if a company grows and their brand, right, it has to evolve with time because the world is changing around the company. Customers have new needs and demands and, you know, it's, it's progress. It changes how a company functions. You have to evolve your brand, but still make sure that it's grounded in that set of core values. Uh, and the last thing I'll say about that is values can shift in level of importance over time. It doesn't mean they go away. Sometimes like what is important to a company that is two years old and small is different than what's important to a company that is 20 years old and 200 million in revenue, you see? And so it doesn't mean that the values go away, but they maybe shift up or down or they take on a different meaning. So some other prerequisite uh, beside values, prerequisites for change. Mm -hmm. Special way of thinking, openness. I mean, acceptance. Like, like our lives are all the the only constant right now is change, <laughs> and Absolutely. and so you know the rate the rate of change is increasing. Like, ev life seems like in the last two years like a moving target. There's no. Very, very little long-term planning that any... No comfort anybody, zone. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, you're constantly in crisis mode. You're constantly having to change your plan because everything was a moving target. And for Gen Zers, this is, was very, very challenging, right? Because they were, don't have, never had they been exposed to this kind of crisis way of living 24-7. And um, I mean... Very few of us, you know, have been through a pandemic. I don't know who who has. So, you know, the, the thing for a leader is you have to be very flexible and open-minded to like, okay, if this happens, we're going to do this. If that happens, we will do this over here. And you constantly have to be thinking about different contingency plans so that whatever happens, you kind of thought it through and you know how to navigate forward with more confidence. But this requires agility. Um, it requires being open-minded 
and being humble, right? Because you won't have all the answers. You have to ask people for their ideas. Um, and sometimes you, you know, it's very uncomfortable to be in limbo all the time, but sometimes success is just getting to tomorrow. And, and that's okay, you know, because tomorrow it will be different again. how your book can help me in the process. Yeah. So the book, my book, Make It, Don't Fake It, um, has a subtitle, which is Leading with Authenticity for Real Business Success. And the subtitle is almost, I think, more important than the title because you, you, can't, you can't really be successful long-term in business if you don't lead with authenticity, with if you don't lead with integrity. I don't know any relationship, personal, you know, with a spouse or a partner or in business that can succeed for the long term if it's not based on integrity, right? That's the a core foundational principle of any relationship. And the challenge with faking it is that we have gotten so accustomed to fake news or you know, telling a little half truth or leaving out certain facts or yeah, we'll just spin it this way. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Fake it till you make it. And it's become like air. We do it. We don't even think about it. But the problem is that faking it actually helps you fail because the truth always comes out. It always comes out. It could be a month, a year or 10 years. You know, Elizabeth Holmes, who was the former CEO of Theranos, it's terrible, you know, I mean, that's faking it to an extreme. Um, but we do it every day and we exaggerate the truth to an investor to get their money or we overpromise what our product can do to a potential customer or we lie on our resume to maybe get the job interview. But the problem is the investor will do his or her due diligence on your product and they will find out that it doesn't do what you said. The customer may try your product and realize that it's not as advertised and they will post all over social media that it was BS, <laughs> right? And the potential employer is going to do a reference check and figure out that, it, you know, that maybe you didn't go to Harvard. So what have you done? You've only set yourself back and ruined your reputation. And it's so much better to just shoot a straight arrow and find what is most compelling about your product or yourself or your technology, right? And, and do the hard work to succeed rather than to, to lie or, or fake it, right? So same thing with being a, an executive in a crisis, right? Wouldn't it be better to admit that a mistake was made and here's what you're going to do to correct it versus being exposed for lying and fooling people for however long, right? And then, and maybe even losing everything. So you see, it's better to make it and not fake it. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik.